and welcome to the Therapeutic Teaching Podcast. I'm Shahana Knight, the founder of TPC Therapy and the creator of the Therapeutic Schools Award and the Therapeutic Teaching Course. And every week I'll be talking about all things related to well-being and mental health in schools. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of inspirational goodness to go out there and make a real difference in the lives of the children that you're working with. Each week will be full of innovative ideas, inspirational stories, practical guidance and even some freebies so that we can actually redefine what school should be for the children of today. You have so much power to make some real changes so let me show you how. I'm so glad you found me here. Let's jump right in. Hi everyone. Welcome to another podcast episode. Today we're going to look at lockdown and what we've learned in the last year. And I want us to really try and apply that to the lives of the children in school on a day-to-day basis. So thinking about how lockdown has been quite traumatic for all of us. And, you know, we've lived in this sense of stress and worry and anxiety and not knowing for about a year now and that is collectively as a society quite traumatic but what really struck me in this past week is my own kind of anxieties around kind of coming out of lockdown um things that have been in the news lately and then it really like hit me that this is how children feel every day that are growing up in trauma, children who are experiencing adversity all of the time, not just for one year as a pandemic collectively with everyone, so everybody understands how each other feels, but completely alone, on their own, with no one who understands, nobody who has that empathy, and feeling very isolated. Now, we know what that feels like. We feel isolated on our own in our homes right now, but imagine feeling like that every single day as a child, and then going into school, with lots of people who don't get it they don't feel that way they don't understand your frame of reference and your um, reality that is so difficult and so I thought it would be really good for us to just try and draw some similarities between trauma that children go through in their lives and lockdown okay so the first thing that I got here was this feeling of always being disappointed so if you think about lockdown every time we thought lockdown was going to come to an end it wasn't, it was extended. Every time we were hopeful that we would get to go to nice events, they were cancelled. And that has been a reoccurring theme for 12 months. So it's a constant thing all of the time. Now, as you'll know from all of the different podcasts I've done and training I've done, when you have an experience that is consistent over and over and over again, your brain comes to learn that that is true of life and that it creates a blueprint for you to then work off. So it kind of hop, skips and a jump a little bit your brain and it kind of helps you to read a situation and a scenario a lot faster. So it makes assumptions about things based on your experiences. If those experiences are ongoing all of the time, that becomes like an entrenched belief or go-to belief or go-to view about something so for all of us we've been disappointed over and over again you know the children thought they could go back to school in September then they were told they couldn't they thought they were going off on Christmas holidays next thing you know they're not allowed back at school and they have been in bubbles things have changed where they've maybe had bubbles collapsing and then they've had to go off and maybe events have been cancelled Christmas events people that they wanted to see they couldn't see anymore lots and lots of disappointments and that's for us as well as adults we've had to navigate our way through that as well and there's a side effect to that I don't know about you guys but for me that feeling of continuously being disappointed means I don't want to book anything anymore 
So I've got a wonderful group of friends who have children and every time there's an inkling that maybe things will be kind of lifted, they book something. So they booked Christmas events, they booked pantomimes and things like that around Christmas and days out and events and I didn't because I was terrified that those things would just be cancelled and I didn't want to disappoint my children and I didn't want that feeling of yet again being disappointed by something. So I just avoided booking anything and didn't book a thing. And that's true of the next kind of phase. So for all of you who um, maybe don't know, Boris was on the news last night and he said, good old Boris, and he said that there's a potential for lockdown to be lifted and for things to be back to normal from June. So this idea of normal was a year ago and that is a strange concept for me. So, And also I know how many times we've been told that okay, things are going to get better or you can do this now and you can do that now, but I've been disappointed. So I actually have absolutely like no excitement for when Boris says in June, everything can go back to normal because I've been disappointed that many times. I don't even believe it. And I feel like that is what happens for our children. You know, how many times have they been disappointed in their lives if they've been through trauma? People leaving them, people saying they'll look after them and then they don't, being moved from home to home. Maybe um, they're in school and they've been, they've been told that they have to go home because they've been excluded numbers of times or they've tried to make friends and it just doesn't work out or they get told constantly okay, here's a chart, a behaviour chart. If you behave really well all the way to Wednesday, then you can have iPad time or golden time on Friday. And they never get to Wednesday, they never get to Friday. And even if they're really close, they do something and that's taken away from them. That's a constant pattern in every aspect of that child's life. And they get to a point where they don't even try. They don't believe you when you say that there's going to be a trip on Friday. They don't want to go because they completely shut that down because they're fearful of being disappointed. Like they've been disappointed. And that is their brain's way of helping them cope. It's a survival strategy. There's no point in me being excited about that thing because it's likely not to happen based on my experience of all these other things that didn't happen when I got excited. And I don't like that feeling of being so enthusiastic about something for it just to be ripped away from me where I have no control, I have no power. And so again, that's how our children in trauma are often feeling all of the time about small, simple things. It's also that thing of you don't want to try. You don't want to try because you're fearful that there will be a disappointment. So, for example, for me, um, I am going to be 23. No, not 20. I'm going to be 33. I wish I was 23. I'm going to be 33 in like two days. And everyone's asking me, what are you doing for your birthday? What are you doing for your birthday? I'm not doing anything for my birthday. Now, for anyone who knows me, I am a big planner. I love a party. I love any excuse for an event. I'm constantly doing events. You've probably heard me talking about it before, but all the children that we know in our little family and family friends, we put on events for them throughout the year. We have an Easter party where they all do an Easter egg hunt and decorate um, Easter eggs and eat Easter eggs and play Easter games. We have a pumpkin party where we decorate pumpkins and um, celebrate kind of Halloween, but not really Halloween. It's like a light, happy version of Halloween because I'm not a fan of Halloween. Um, We have a Christmas Eve party where they do reindeer food and Christmas cookies and gingerbread houses. Like, there's always a party going on in our house. And we've had to cancel those events now for all of last year. And we're not going to get to do the Easter one probably this year. Hopefully we will. But that feeling of being disappointed is stopping me from wanting to plan. So my birthday is coming up and I usually make a big fuss of my birthday. I usually see lots of people. I do lots of things and I make a really nice event around it. 
and this year I haven't done anything and it's like two days away and it doesn't even feel like my birthday because in my mind I feel like there's no point because I'm going to be disappointed and then we have to think about our kids and the children in school who are quite vulnerable and think well maybe that's why they don't get excited about a trip that's why they don't get excited about Christmas plays and things like that it might even be why they sabotage those things because it's better to have that sense of disappointment because you're used to that than it is to try and look forward to something that is potentially going to get ripped away from you So then you're scared to feel happy, you're scared to feel excited about things because it might be for no reason and to stop yourself from feeling that disappointment there's no point getting excited and having those those feelings. So there's so much that goes into that. It's also around not trusting what people say. So how many times have we been told something that didn't happen? That is a reoccurring theme for all of us throughout lockdown in whatever way, shape or form you can apply that to your own life. Again, if we flip that on its head and look at our children in school, for those really vulnerable children, okay, so they've been told that they couldn't go back to school a few times now. Potentially their bubbles have broken down and obviously we've had like three lockdowns. So we're going to go back to school on the 8th of March. That's proposed. I'm sure lots of children have been told that date. What happens if schools close again? That's what I would be thinking if I was a child or even a teenager. Okay, so you're telling me I can go back, but I don't really believe it because sooner or later you're going to tell me that they, they have to close again. And so you prepare yourself, don't you? They're not going to fully immerse themselves in friendships and engagement and they might not get excited when you tell them in three weeks we're going to do a topic on history, um, Vikings, because they might not believe they'll even get to that three-week mark. And these things can happen at a low level and a high level. For your vulnerable children that are already vulnerable and have had a history of trauma, they're potentially already in that place right now. But for those children who've just been in this past year and this is their first experience of anything that is traumatic, they're going to have those thought processes for the first time. I don't want to go back to school because I'll just be told I have to go home. Maybe they come home from school and think, am I going to be told I can't go in tomorrow? Or maybe there's an event and they don't believe they'll get to that event. And that is a programming that we've put into our children this past year that we're going to have to unprogram over the next coming years. And that takes time because our brain has developed coping mechanisms. So to undo those coping mechanisms will take time and energy and effort and input. There's also this thing around feeling like we have no control. You know, I often say when I'm talking about children who have experienced trauma, they have no control. They have no control over where they're going to sleep, who they're going to see that night, whether they'll have dinner, whether they'll have a good amount of sleep, whether there's warmth in the house or clothes that they need or good shelter that they need. They have no control over who they're going to live with. Are they going to be placed with parents? Are they going to be placed with carers? Are they going to be moved? A social worker might knock on the door and remove them at any point. There's so much that they're not in control of. Even simple things like day to day, you know, where they're going, what they're doing, what they're eating. And that can feel extremely overwhelming. Now, I say that all the time in my training videos. I've experienced that as a child. And I'm experiencing that again now through lockdown. I know how many of us feel out of control. How many of us feel like we're used to just having a handle on our lives. We know what we're doing. We like to be planning. We like to have planning in place. We like to know what's happening next. We like to hold all the cards. That has not been able to happen for a full year. And so you feel powerless. You feel like people are making decisions on your behalf. 
even if you don't agree with those decisions, you know, I'm sure for some of you, there are restrictions in place that you don't agree with that don't fit that don't feel right, or that are causing you to have well being or mental health issues, you know, not being able to go out, not being able to see people, not being able to support your family, maybe there's been um, a death or a loss, you've not been able to go to the funeral, there's potentially around you might feel really unhappy wearing a mask it might make you feel really unsafe might make you feel anxious might affect your breathing but you've got to wear one so there's all these things all these restrictions around us that we feel okay someone else has taken that responsibility away I've got no control I have absolutely no idea whether or not I'm allowed to meet my friend in a park this week or see my mum because dad's part of my bubble or all sorts of different things and that doesn't mean that you you might ha- you might agree that those things are for your best interest. You might not. Again, children might agree. Well, yeah, it wasn't okay for me to live with my parent. They were domestically violent and I was scared. But that still doesn't mean that you feel good about all the decisions being made about you and no one consulting you. That's overwhelming and it's extremely frustrating at times. It can get you angry at times. And we've all experienced those emotions throughout this year. It's been like an emotional roller coaster up and down. That reflects very, very equally and, and obviously a child who's experienced trauma ongoing and not just one level of trauma. You know, children who are vulnerable have experienced a number of traumas. Maybe they've experienced somebody leaving, maybe they've experienced a breakdown in marriage or a relationship with parents. Maybe they've experienced parents using alcohol or drugs as a method to um, cope. Maybe they've experienced having to care for their siblings because nobody else will or being taken into care there's usually more than one. And so that feeling of powerlessness has probably been something they've experienced for the the whole of their life, not just a year like we have. So what is that doing internally to them if one year is doing this to us? You know, that is something we really need to look at and remember when we come out of lockdown, because these children will come out of lockdown, but that doesn't mean their life's going to get massively better if they're continuously living with trauma every single day. So that is really difficult for them. Imagine somebody else making decisions about your life that maybe hurt your well-being every single day. It's going to make you feel trapped by your circumstances and that feeling of being trapped is going to make you angry, aggressive, frustrated, have negative thoughts in your mind, have a negative picture about people. And this is where all of this stuff comes in that I talked to you about around your perception of people, your perception of the world. Okay, the world is bad, the world is scary, the world is angry because I've experienced that all my life. Well, we're experiencing at the minute that we're angry, we're frustrated. The world feels like a scary place because that is our reality right now. And that is the reality for these children every single day. So it's important that we look at that and that we unpick that for these children because we can learn a lot from this lockdown. One of the things I'm really struggling with is anxiety. So I'm not necessarily an anxious person. I am extremely confident. I am very self-assured. I don't need somebody else's opinion or need somebody else's approval to do things. I'm very confident in the fact that I know what I'm doing is right for me and my family and my journey and I always do things the best I possibly can and I always choose the good path, if that makes sense. I try and do everything from a place of goodness. So anxiousness, anxiety isn't something I really struggle with. I mean, I have in the past when I was younger, but it isn't something that I would say tends to follow me around. But my God, this last year, I have felt anxious. I have felt anxious on so many different levels. You know, the general stuff, being nervous and unsure about what will be, what will happen next, what will be kind of um, announced next. 
the anxiety and those really early weeks of walking around empty shopping shelves and seeing people with masks on would make me tear up while I was walking around um, just because of the stark contrast and the fear I could see in everybody. Um, anxiety around really random things like, you know, before lockdown I was so good at going out and doing face-to-face training and I would deliver two-hour training sessions numerous times during the week over and over again different groups of people different locations and then when lockdown hit I started to do those um, electronically I started to record the training products that I had and now people consume them online and I've got this weird anxiety around standing up in front of a group of people now and delivering training that I know is amazing virtually you know all the sniffs have been taken out all the coughs have been taken out and I can tweak the sentences if I don't say them quite well or perfectly and I feel like what am I going to do when I have to stand up in front of real people and actually talk and what if I bumble my words or my words don't come out as fluently and as easily as they used to because I'm not used to doing that my kind of thought process is a little bit slower when it comes to that sort of thing even in these podcasts I find myself going oh my god I've just tried to say the same thing 50 different times there's anxiety around that that wasn't there before and that can really grow how many of you are feeling anxious about not seeing people or around what do you do when you do see people you know I was speaking to some friends yesterday because obviously we've got this roadmap and we're hoping to be back to normal by June and they were saying we're really glad that it's phased because jumping straight into normal life will feel really unusual and scary a lot of them were saying they were feeling really anxious about um kind of getting back to work and working face to face with people again and um kind of just the normal things that we would consider normal before because that's not our reality anymore is it and sometimes we find that we want to stay where we are in the state that we are even if that state isn't healthy for us because it feels familiar now if you think about children Okay, so we've got children who are living in families where there's domestic violence, but isn't it more comfortable to live in what you know than it is to try and escape from what you know? Isn't that how children who've experienced trauma feel all of the time? Maybe it's easier to be in a relationship as a teenager with somebody who's a bit violent because that's what we're used to. It's familiar to us. Isn't that less scary than being with someone who's really attentive and caring and nurturing? Because that makes me feel extremely anxious. And these are the things that we're getting a little bit of a taste of through this lockdown. It's like, I watched this little video of a few teenagers on YouTube who'd put together this video about the impact of lockdown for them and how they feel now they're in lockdown. And it was beautiful. And what they'd done really cleverly was that they were talking about somebody's story, but it wasn't theirs. They were talking on behalf of somebody else. So their identities were kind of protected. And a lot of them were talking about things like, I broke up with my boyfriend through lockdown. He wasn't who I thought he would be. He was very angry, very frustrated. He wasn't a nice person. He said horrible things about me. Or um, I don't see my friends. And the people I thought were my friends that I saw every single day haven't checked in with me. They don't talk to me. They're distant. And there's all these things around being really nervous and anxious about friendship groups or relationships or normality. One of them was saying, when I go to school, actually at school before lockdown, I was really clever. She said, I got all the work done. The teachers loved me. I was really confident. She said, but I'm really struggling with homeschool. I don't feel like I can do it. And I feel like I'm I'm lagging behind. And so there's an anxiety around what happens when I have to go back to school? Can I maintain my grades? Can I maintain the level of intellect and participation and confidence that I had before lockdown? There's so much around that for our children and for us, for ourselves as well, that 
we can't really ignore that. And if we think about children through trauma, that anxiety will have been there since they were tiny, tiny little children. And they're carrying that all the way through school. So no wonder they struggle with friendships. No wonder they struggle when you tell them they've got something wrong or there's a new teacher or something doesn't quite go to plan that day. No wonder they feel anxious generally in their body all of the time, that's bubbling all of the time. And they might fly off the handle about something or get really cross about something because tensions are high. You know, we all feel like that. I think another thing that's come up from lockdown is people's resilience. How resilient have you been based on what you thought you would be and what you are? Are you snappy more often? Are you agitated and angry more often? Is your patience a lot lower and a lot smaller than you thought? Well, that's because you're stressed. You know, we know that our stress levels increase when there's anything that's traumatic or difficult for us, when there's challenges. And those stress levels have been in our bodies now for a year running around our bodies for a year, how many times have I discussed with you what happens when you've got prolonged stress levels in your body for a long period of time? It makes you have tunnel vision. It affects your sleeping. It affects your um, ability to fight off infections and diseases and illnesses. It makes you sweat and have really high, fast heartbeats. It makes you go into fight, flight, freeze. You might snap more. You might get angry more. You might want to get away from the situation and walk out the room we're having more arguments and frustrations and we're finding that our tolerance levels are much lower because we've got more stress levels in our body there's no escape from that trauma from those feelings right now and it hasn't been for such a long time and again that's really similar to children who've grown up with trauma they're always in a state of stress they always feel like that so no wonder they get angry and kick off and get frustrated about things because we're doing it right now and we're not in control of our feelings we feel overwhelmed and upset that we've done that but we can't help it and that's exactly how they're feeling every single day it's also around mindset so I have an amazing friend who has noticed that the older family members around her have changed completely in terms of mindset. And those that were really positive and did loads of things and got engaged and immersed in life, even though they're a bit older, are really not doing that now. And their perception of the world is a negative one. The perception of simple day-to-day things is a really negative one. They are more snappy, they're more irritable. And that is a result of a year of stress and a year of not knowing, a year of being anxious, a year of not having the answers or feeling like you've got the control and feeling powerless. And that starts to affect your mindset. Now, our well-being, I've talked about this before, is really important. Our well-being is how happy we feel, our wellness, our sense of goodness, our sense of um, being happy and okay. And we monitor our well-being by doing small things every day to look after ourselves. Reading, having a bath, taking a walk, seeing our friends, going for a meal, um, being with family. And a lot of those things that we do to take care of our well-being have been stripped away from us this last year. And so we're not really taking care of our well-being. Maybe we're going to bed really late. We're not sleeping enough. Maybe we're stressed because we've got to homeschool. Maybe we're juggling our job and homeschool. There's so many things that we're doing and we're constantly trying to just put fires out. We're constantly trying to solve problems. And that's been a long thing that's happened over a long period of time. Now, when you're not taking care of your well-being every day or every week doing small things, it becomes an issue mentally. It starts to impact your mental health. And that is when you notice negative thoughts. You notice that your mindset is quite negative. So for me, this is happening and it's happening right now. And I'm worrying about things and would never have worried about before. I was always such a positive person with a really positive mindset. And even things like, you know, this roadmap and June being the time where everything's going to go back to normal. I genuinely believe that 
it's not going to get better. I'm really worried that it's not going to get better. And I'm thinking, yeah, Boris, whatever. You've said it once before. I'll believe it when I see it. That is not my mindset. I'm usually like, it'll be fine next week. Everything's going to be fine. But that has proven me wrong so many times over the last year that I am really struggling to hold on to that sense of positive mindset and that sense of belief because I've been disappointed so many times, like I said at the beginning of the podcast. So that belief that things won't get better, that belief that the world is bad and that things are bad and that things are hard and things will take a long time to sort themselves out and there's loads of restrictions and you can't, 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 can't. That's the the message that we've got right now. We're all carrying around with us. There's barriers, there's blocks, there's restrictions, there's limitations, there's danger, there's fear. And that is carrying around inside us as adults and also for our children, for all children collectively. But again, how many of our young people in schools have always struggled with negative mindset? Their life has always taught them things are scary, things are hard, there's barriers, there's blocks. This is a really brilliant opportunity for us to just stand back and go, oh, now I understand how you feel. That child in the back of my class that's always anxious, that child who gets angry really quickly, that child who constantly tells me things are going to go wrong and cannot see any positive in anything, this is why. Because they've had eight years, nine years, 15 years of those same messages every single day in every single scenario, really small scenarios and really big scenarios. And that is going to impact how you think and how you see the world. We are going to have to do a real unprogramming of what we've experienced this last year. We're going to need to really put some effort and some energy into reprogramming our children. It's okay to go and play. Go and play. Go and hug your friends. Go and laugh with your friends. Go and talk to your friends. Yes, you can have a sleepover. Yes, you can touch that metal pole. Yes, it's okay because they've had a year of no, it's not, no, it's not, no, it's not. And a lot of children haven't been sheltered from that narrative. So they've now got these beliefs in their mind. Some children who are particularly anxious, particularly have a disposition for being a worrier, it's going to take a long time for them to shake that. And that's just on children in general. What about children with even deeper roots, even deeper issues going on? We've really got to look at those children and go, how can we support you moving forward in education? Because I'm telling you now, a two-week catch-up program or bounce-back program isn't enough. I don't need just two weeks to deprogram what's going on for me from the last year. So I know children are going to need a lot longer than that. So what I think we need to start to do is to really draw some comparisons because when you feel what someone else is feeling, you can support them better. And up to this point, a lot of us maybe haven't had the frame of reference that children who have been through trauma have had. We don't understand the day-to-day impact. We don't understand the mental impact, the physical impact, the emotional impact. It's really hard to appreciate any of that unless you've been in the circumstance. This is our unique opportunity to step into their shoes, even if it's just a little bit of their shoes, and go, right now I understand. I can understand what you're feeling because I feel that way too. And that is where empathy comes in. You can be sympathetic for somebody all day long. It must be really hard. I feel so sorry for you. That must be really difficult. But where's the feeling? Yeah, she's really struggling. It's because of stuff going on at home. Oh, yeah, he's really angry. I know that this week his cat died. Oh, yeah, I know. He's been like this for the last four years. I think it's because of his mum and his dad's divorce. Okay, great. But I'm just hearing words there. What we need to start to do is to feel the feelings. As always, the feelings are back. It's about the feelings. We've got to feel those feelings. So, okay, 
how can I get a piece of something inside me that identifies with how you might be feeling right now? I can see a child who's extremely anxious about doing their work. I know what anxiousness feels like. I felt anxious all year in all these different ways. And I can acknowledge in myself that I was anxious in so many different random ways I couldn't predict. So then you can put that on the child and go, how else might you be feeling anxious in your life? And why might that be? And then you can start to help them. Then you can start to use your reflective language. You're feeling really anxious because you're just not sure you can do this. You've been let down so many times and you're really worried when you give me that work, I'll tell you it's wrong. That is reflective because we know that feeling. We've got that sense. It might be that you say to them, okay, I can see you're feeling really worried about this assembly. We're all going to be sat in the room together and we've got a visitor and it's just new and different and you haven't done it for ages and you're just feeling a little bit overwhelmed because we know that we feel overwhelmed when we're being told you can go back to work now and go and hug everyone, you know, whatever it might be. Let's start putting ourselves in the children's position. And I would really encourage you before you go back to that classroom to sit down with a piece of paper and list all of the things that you can identify in yourself that have been a result, an effect, an impact of the last year living with collective trauma around lockdown. What are some of your things? Have you had anxiety? Have you developed a negative mindset? Do you feel like you're out of control and there's been no control? Do you feel like you've always been disappointed? What are some of your things that you can identify that you've struggled with? And then look at that list, break it down. Where have those things happened? How can you see them in your life? What kind of scenarios are they cropping up in? And then really project that onto your class and go, okay, if this is how I feel, how are they feeling? How are those children feeling when they come back? And what can I do to help with those feelings? What can I put in place because I can preempt what they need based on what I need? I need consistency. I need stability. I need security. I need nurture and love. I need people around me. I need happiness and joy and silliness and playfulness. I definitely need that. You know, for me, I really need to just be silly and that will make my anxiety go away. I need to have fun and be daft and do silly things and immerse myself with children again and paint and play and all of that sort of stuff. What do the children need based on what you need? Let's really take this as a learning experience. We've now got between March and June to really plan into our kind of the very last end of what school is. They've hardly really been in school this year. What can we do in this little bit of time left that really helps them to recover? Because a two-week recovery program isn't enough. We've really got to get intentional. So I'm going to leave the podcast there, but I really hope this has helped you to just draw some comparisons and unpick what might be going on for children in your care every day, even when there isn't a pandemic. But then also thinking about how can you now start to put things in place to help the children who may be feeling exactly like we're feeling. Thank you so much for listening. Please do get in contact if you need any additional help or support. Take our free module. It's online. It's going to be free for the remainder of this academic school year and then it won't be free anymore. So please do take the free module. I'll put it at the bottom and explore our wellbeing curriculum. Have a think about what you're going to do this year for the children and how you're going to insert a lot of these things back into your own practice. All right, guys. See you soon. Bye. I hope you've loved this week's episode of the Therapeutic Teaching Podcast. If you want more help and support to become a therapeutic teacher, but don't know where to start, then head to tpctherapy.co.uk and enrol in my free course now and get started.